Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. Race just seems to dominate so much of our political debate in the United States. Today, I want to explore and learn about the past, present, and future state of black America. Who has the better policy answers? Conservatives, or liberals, or libertarians? And what's been the impact of Donald Trump's presidency? With me to talk this through are two courageous women, women in the battle for religious freedom, economic freedom, and individual liberty. Star Parker, is the founder and president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through messages of faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. An author of several books, she is a regular commentator on national television and radio and is a nationally syndicated columnist. Starr has a bachelor's degree in marketing and international business from Woodbury University and has received numerous awards and commendations for her work on public policy issues. Winsome Earl Sears was born in Jamaica and came to the United States when she was six years of age. Raised in New York City, she enlisted in the United States Marine Corps at the age of 19 and became a U.S. citizen one year later. She was the first black Republican woman and first female veteran elected to the Virginia General Assembly. She is a graduate of Old Dominion University with a BA in English and Economics. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Star, let's start with you. Before we dig into uh, the specifics, how did you come to believe what you believe? Well, I came to believe what I believe by reading a proverb a day. Uh, I was um, believing the lies of the left for a very long time. I believed all that we even hear today, that my problems were somebody else's fault, that America was racist, I shouldn't mainstream, that I was poor because others were wealthy. And in buying all of these lies, I got very lost in my decision making. Uh, so very early in life, was engaged in criminal activity and drug activity and sexual activity and abortion activity and welfare activity, and then God saved me. Uh, some gentlemen introduced me to the Lord and I changed my life. I went to school, I got a degree, I started a business. And after the 92 Los Angeles riots destroyed my business, I began to focus on social policy. And that's how I came to run my organization, Urban Cure Today. But if you ask how did you shape those views beyond just the personal responsibility that comes from knowing the scripture and figuring out how to live through a daily proverb, I started a business. And that's when I understood how extensive government is in the affairs of somebody that just wants to buy an apple and sell it for enough to buy another one and another one and another one and, and started being encroached by all types of uh, three letters from the IRS to the, you name it, uh, the disability, you, well, uh, the environmental protection, well, that well, long well, list well, of all of this well, alphabet well, yeah, George, George McGovern it, became a conservative it, it, after he started a bed and breakfast. Yes, exactly. You start finding out that, <laughs> wait a minute, what has happened to our great country? So I think that that's what shaped my economic views, uh, but but uh, the what has shaped my philosophy and what drives me and my organization is my born-again experience. Amen. Winston. Well, I am a Marine, and uh, I had had my last child, my husband and I, 
and we were living in California at the time, and it was right around the time of the election, and uh, George Bush Sr., he was running. He was a candidate, and I was still the Democrat. This, you know, this, would I'm have black. Been, this would have been 88? Yes. Uh, I'm black. I'm supposed to be a Democrat. You know, um, it rhymes. Okay. The whole family's, you know, full of Democrats. So what am I, you know, I am what I am. And Dukakis, his commercial came on, and he said, I'm going to expand welfare. I'm going to make sure that this, that, the other, we're going to give you money, and we're going to, and I thought, but if that happens, you know, my folks, they're, they're just going to be living on what they get. There's nothing to propel them. And then he said, and, and for abortion, I'm going to make sure abortion is this and legal and expanded and, and do this and, and public monies and public. And I just had my baby. And I thought, well, I don't believe that. And then right behind him came George Bush Sr. with his commercial. And he said, and he said if all you have is welfare, is what the government gives you, you will never have anything to pass on to your children. And then he said, and as for abortion, I'm just I'm going to try and make it less and less and less. And then I said, oh, my God, I'm a Republican. And the next thing was, how am I going to tell my family? Because it's almost as if I was changing my religion, you know. And and it was a shock to me, and I think to many um, uh, black people, they really are Republicans because we are the most conservative, really, group. And it's just a matter of me getting in there and people like Starr and, and everybody else getting in and saying, let us be who we want to be. You know, uh, you don't get to tell me how to run my politics, and I don't get to tell you either. Just let us be free. Well, still, you must get a lot of pushback. We talked about before we came on the air, you're a minority within a minority, and you're really stepping out of line when it comes to believing what you believe. And I'm sure you've taken a I didn't have to heat. deal with it that much because I didn't come from a political family. If okay. anyone in my family even voted, nobody knew. We've been a very uh, eclectic family rooted in the South, and we've had family reunions forever. So we've learned how to not discuss those things and not care if somebody did differ in them. And in not discussing them, I wasn't even elected. To, I didn't even register to vote until uh, after that particular election. I don't think I registered to vote or even knew to vote hmm. until um, it was until Bush uh, Senior was was running. Well, how many? There's a media portrayal. How many? How many blacks are conservative? Do you think? Is there a well? We know. I mean, all of, of the like media Trump supporters. Look, you're not the polls to have say, been showing uh, forever that a third of African Americans mm -hmm. say publicly, that publicly. they are evangelical and conservative. A yeah. third. This has been 25 years. This is Republicans' fault. They don't have more. I know <laughs> is, it. And in fact, this mm. recent poll says 22% agree with the Republican Party. 22% say absolutely out of their mouth that they are conservatives, but only 8% vote Republicans. That was that the a, 2016 number for yeah, Trump? It's just, yes, yeah. for yes. Trump. And so that 8%, so that 8% uh, there's 14% out there that just you have to ask for the order. Well, let me tell you, um, I remember when President Obama was, uh, well, it was the election, either he or John McCain, and I had a person call me, and very prominent, Ph.D., won't say anymore, but uh, he, he said, when's someone going to have to vote for Obama? And I said, why? And he said, because I know he's going to wreck the country with his economic policies and uh, some of his social policies, but I don't think I'll ever get a chance to vote for another black man in my lifetime. 
And this is a person with a PhD who knows better, and yet he's voting on color. So I know that no one ever knocked on my door to ask me for my vote, for my opinion. I lived in, I haven't lived in per se a black neighborhood, but I lived in uh, always in mostly liberal areas. They just assumed they had me. And so nobody ever knocked on my door to ask, what do you think about? What do you, what do you think about this? What do you think? Nobody. Uh, Republicans never came because I guess they figured, you know, it's going to take too many election cycles to win me. And Democrats never came because, oh, we already got her. We've got to go find new blood. And so that's why I say, and I've said, I want to be like you, Bill, when I grew up. I want to have what you have. I go to the polling station, for instance, and they see me and uh, some will hand me and some won't because they... You know, they they don't want, Republicans they, yeah. don't want to waste the right. flyer. And because, Democrats yeah. don't want to waste their flyer either. either. <laughs> and so I get that. nothing, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so, but everybody assumes. So I walk into that polling station and it angers me every single time that people assume I'm a Democrat. I want what you have. I don't know if you're Libertarian, Green Party, Reform Party, Democrat, uh, Republican. I, I don't know who you are. So I have to come and get you. I have to win you. I have to tell you my ideas. I have to talk with you. Have to discuss, debate, but nobody does that with people who look like me. Well, star they will because you're so famous. But um, you know, I think it depends on the I state just, you live in because I don't know that that reality is through the country, but it perhaps is a reality in some states. I do think that when we break it down, in particular today, what has what has gone on in America, there is a window of opportunity to get more. Uh, black votes to go to the Republican Party, if that's the goal. Uh, some people, their goal is to keep the Republican Party as a conservative party rooted in its principles. And the reason that that opportunity is now is because we've tried it the other ways for a long time. When you think about the uniqueness of African-American heritage in this country, you can appreciate uh, why it's been such a, a challenge uh, for us to focus time and attention and resources on uh, figuring out how to get uh, ideas and information discussed in this community. Uh, a legacy of slavery and Jim Crow and, and a welfare state has had some consequences. And one of those consequences is that there's a disproportionate number of African Americans that work for government. When you think about the expansion of government, uh, especially in the welfare state, only 20 cent on a dollar actually reaches the household. You're talking about $900 billion of anti-poverty money that's basically the pot for bureaucrats, and bureaucrats are black. So you have a dilemma with the black middle class, with the black uh, upper class, because this is a community of people who have government in their lives when it comes to economics, and a lot of people vote their economic interests, not their race. You're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here talking with Winsome Sears and Star Parker about uh, how they ended up as conservatives. Well, we can talk about, for example, my election. Um, it was kind of a double whammy for me because um, when I was recruited, you know, I wasn't really well known in the community, but I felt that this was a calling. I prayed about it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I had gone up to, let, let me tell you how uninformed I was. Uh, you said that you hadn't um, registered to vote and, and you hadn't vote. I didn't even know that in order to be, say you were part of the Republican Party, you had to be a member. I didn't. So I didn't become a member of the Republican Party until the day that I was asked to run. And so 
I had to make the case of why I was a Republican to my local Republican Party. I just assumed if you vote a Republican, you are. So anyway, I went up to vote for uh, Mark Early um, for uh, governor at the time. Uh, he was running against, uh, he would have been running against uh, Mark Warner, who is now senator. But this was for the governorship. And um, I didn't get to vote because I wasn't registered anywhere. So to make a long story short, okay, I was given the ask, Winston, we'd like you to run. And so prayed about it, uh, which is what drives me more than anything, because I know no one is greater than God. And so he's in control at all times. And I got the go back to Jamaica, you know, and my children got the go back to Jamaica. So just because I'm black, it didn't mean anything as an immigrant, you know, I had to deal with that. And then I had to deal with uh, the fact that you're black and you're, you're, you know, you're for the Republicans and, you know, they don't like us, et cetera, et cetera. No policy, just, you know, what they keep hearing. So I would have little grandmothers sneak up behind me and, and just kind of whisper, brush against me and say, I'm voting for you, <laughs> you know, because, but these are grandmas. They're not supposed to be afraid to let people know that, you know, who they are. And, and so this is what we do to each other in my community, unfortunately. And it's still there, happening. There is a phenomenon, though. The Republicans can be pretty clueless. There's a, they, Republicans make assumptions that they're not going to win the black vote. And one of you referred to something called the uh, the Star Trek solution that Republicans have. Oh, that would have. be me. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's our organization where, you know, we think we can just fly in and, and get things done. But you've got to make relationships. You know, you've got to win hearts. I've said before, some of the things that we can do as Republicans is, you know, we love education, right? We want everybody to be part of uh, the tax-paying uh, members of society. We need education for that. So what do we do? I say, go to the local Boys and Girls Club. They're around, you know. They help uh, poverty-stricken single mothers, whatever it is, and buy some computers and let them know the Republican Party did that. And then maybe, you know, so sponsor the T-shirts for Midnight Basketball. I'm just, you know, this is a very be basic Be part of the stuff. community. Just be, be part yeah, of the community. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because come election time, the Democrats are going to come around and they're going to say, you know, the Republicans, they're bad, they're bad. And uh, that's when it comes to fruition because they, the, 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 the folks at the Boys and Girls Club and, and the parents will say, which Republicans are you talking about? Because the Republicans I know... You see those computers? They bought them. And the Republicans that I know, you remember our basketball tournament, the T-shirts? They bought them. So which Republicans are you talking about? Before we dig into the policy differences, which I think are material and are part of the reasons why you are for Republicans, you both talked about faith. How important is faith to you coming to where you are um, and believing what you believe about what's right and wrong? Well, I think it's absolutely important, and not just for myself personally, but for public policy. I think that that's what the founders saw and knew very well uh, and expressed often that you can't self-govern without God. Uh, it was important to have a moral people. Yeah. I think that that's where we've lost ourselves as a nation. The more heavy the hand of government is, the less religion you have. If you look in any and almost every socialist country, you're, there's no coexistence between God and government, uh, and that's what is the big struggle today, the cultural war, rooted in this uh, determination that the left wants to do abortion, uh, is what started the cultural war. But where we are today is this 
fundamental who's going to who's going to do this you really you can't are, have a functioning you, democracy no. unless you've got a common moral foundation well you've got and to but then and that's you have to say where do you that's get that I, as well that's where libertarians mm -hmm. miss it you've got to say well, libertarians where miss that yeah where are you yeah it? if you make yeah. it up as you go along yeah. then you're no better than the liberal yeah. because that's what they want situational ethics i don't think people understand that libertarians and i've I am one, but I'm sort of a recovering libertarian. You've got to have a family. You get over the fabric of society, civil society, church, faith, family, right. all those mm -hmm. sorts of things. Mm -hmm. You can't have an economy. You can't have an economy. It's, it's the same coin. And, and, yeah. you, know, you just have two sides of that coin. And what really fascinates me about libertarianism, uh, and I've had these heated discussions that you've had, not just with myself, with, but with my friends, is that Tocqueville knew that. He, their, their hero mm -hmm. in all of this said, mm -hmm. I, I had to find the secret, and yeah. Yeah. I found it when I went into their churches. Yeah, yeah. It's just, they're inseparable. If you don't self-govern and root it in a Judeo-Christian ethic, why you believe what you believe, then you will open the door for moral chaos, which then opens the door for a totalitarian state. I have noticed that many times when I read the Bible, um, the Lord will say to the people he has chosen, don't be afraid, be strong. And courageous and I think it's because we will be afraid to take stands but if we understand that he controls everything then we're fine it is why I can do what I do it is why I'm generally not afraid um, when I do get afraid it's because I keep forgetting he will never leave me he will never abandon me and that's the second thing he always says when he tells the people to be not to be afraid I'm reading about David, they, you think about David. David killed Goliath, fought lions and bears, and that's why he said he knew that he could fight Goliath too. And yet David spit on himself and everything else and acted like a madman when he was confronted with a king who could have killed him. He forgot this God that he served was a mighty God and could help him. So we, we don't remember that part about David. We just remember the giant slayer, but he's man like everybody else. So uh, God is important to me, and it, it was one of the reasons that really brought me to the Republican Party because I understood how we came to be and that there were a certain number of folks who said, we will not vote for a president who supports slavery. It's just not going to happen. And they were willing to lose everything, and they did. They lost the elections until we got Abraham Lincoln. So this is my home, but I've always said, even after, you know, when I was elected, I'm a Christian first and a Republican second. I don't want to hear about your economic policies and how you're going to build the country if we have to kill a ba babies along the way. It's just not going to work. Star, for me. you talked about the, the three wars that the left started in the 60s. Right. To bring us to the place where people elected exactly. Donald because Trump the, the to fight was, back. The theme was, you know, where, where, where things have been, how did it get this way, where right. we are, where do we think we should take right, it? Right, right. Well, if you think about the values coming out of the, they call them the greatest generation, uh, they were intact. People understood faith and family. They understood the boundaries of government and why we were existing and why we were growing. Uh, but there was a war in the 60s. I mean, the baby boom generation got off track. The first war we had was a war on religion, where we did scrub our schools from any reference of God. During that same body of time, we had a war on marriage, where the feminists just didn't like their station in life and decided that they were going to uh, work through public policy to change that current reality to where uh, women were married to the 
to the male of their children. Uh, and then we had a war on poverty that basically said, don't think about any natural consequences that come from these decisions you're now making without religion and without family, because we have safety nets. Mm -hmm. And over time, those safety nets uh, evolved into three rules. Don't work, don't save, don't get married, and mm. we'll keep you mm. addicted to a government plantation. Sure don't work, don't save, and don't, don't get, get married. Don't get married, and mm. now we'll keep you enslaved to our poverty plantation. You fast forward five years after King's death, Roe v. Wade is national law. Look where we are today. Black mm -hmm. people have killed off more people than were in oh existence gosh. during mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. There were 20 million African Americans during the 60s. That we just aborted 20 million after We've done what the Klan was never able to do. We did it to ourselves. So, yeah. and uh, But the law, and, and Planned Parenthood is not a helper because the law did change. The yeah. law did say there's nothing wrong with exterminating that that's growing in your womb, what God calls his reward. And then the law supported this through our tax dollars uh, to build these uh, big corporate uh, uh, welfare recipients of, of Planned Parenthood. Uh, and, and then they targeted this particular vulnerable community to mm -hmm. tell them that their children were environmental hazards. Mm -hmm. So don't have too many. In Mecklenburg, in North Carolina, North Carolina right now, um, Planned Parenthood has built, opened four clinics, yeah. four, in just one county. But where are they? They're in the black neighborhood. That's right, 79% of You're watching the Bill Walton Show, and I'm here talking with uh, Star Parker and Winsome Sears, and we're talking about the very, the really bad ideas that came out of the 60s, both in terms of cultural values and political policies. You know, my father came to America. We're talking about the 60s. He came uh, just 11 days before Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech. And it's significant because he came with only $1.75 in his pocket, a foreigner. And so I said to him, I didn't know this until I was running for Congress, and I thought I better find out more before a reporter, you know, gets to him. And so I said, why did you come? And he said, because this is where the jobs were. And I said, yeah, but it was really bad for us at that time. And he said, I don't know anything about that. I just know that this is where the, the opportunities were. And so he started with $1.75, moved in with his sister. Six months later, you know, he said he took whatever job he could get so he could put himself through school, moved out, got roommates. And, and uh, I said, so you got financial aid? And he said, no, I worked myself school and now he's comfortably retired uh, left New York for Atlanta uh, surprise surprise you know didn't think you could ever leave New York but somebody would come to him one of our new socialist uh, folks you know uh, who, who don't know how any of this began and they would say to him why do you have such a big house not knowing the backstory which is I came to America with a dollar 75 if my father can do that as a foreigner don't tell me this country isn't great. He's a black man. You don't have to, well, is he black or is he not? No, he's black. You can tell he's black. And he did it. And he did whatever it took. And so his two daughters, college educated, here I am, uh, you know, made history. And what's significant about the history that I made is to say I was elected in a majority-minority district. So we were 54% Democrats. And what that tells you is it can be done. It can be done if we ask. If we ask, it can be done. We, uh, you really sort of stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I'm <laughs> thinking about how we can get people to not see race. I mean, that's sort of, we, we operate with all this. That's impossible. Uh, Why would yeah. you even want the, anyone to do that? Yeah. 
Well, we are who God made us to be. He okay, loves but I mean, it's, there's, I think we're all human beings, but that's that's just well, yeah. But yeah. we do have different experiences, and we do have different shades. Yeah. Uh, and 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 black doesn't crack, so I'm I'm enjoying black every minute. <laughs> I'm enjoying every minute of getting right. older and right, more then. seasoned yeah. in this. All right, then but maybe real, I think, maybe. but to your point, I think where you're going with that, and and correct me if I'm just making an assumption, is how does how do we break down all of the time when we're discussing race? Why is it? that we can't find common ground on what this country should be, what mm. we should look like. Why is it that when you talk to the majority of African Americans, they tend to vote Democrat and liberal. And when you talk to the majority of white Americans, they're trending the other way. And I think that one place we can't ignore in why this has happened is in education and what has happened there. When mm. you think about the development of the Department of Education, you talk about going through the journey of the past. How did we get here? We really did have problems coming in through those 60s as African-American people. And the next thing we know, we have a, a Department of Education where rather than the society saying, you know what, okay, maybe we should stop discriminating and segregating against certain ethnicities and allow all children to be educated, the society kept the wall up long enough for the government to move in. The government moved in and developed out a Department of Education, and look where we are today. We have 30-something states that have Blaine Amendments. It's written into their constitution. A Blaine, a Blaine Amendment is uh, what? It, it, where it's written into their constitution that money cannot follow children to the schools mm -hmm. the parents want, mm -hmm. and the reason for the Blaine Amendment was because of religious divisions at that time. Mm -hmm. But now it's trapping poor children in mm -hmm. failing schools. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, there is a Supreme Court decision coming very rapidly, so next June it could be all over, but you said what happened in the past. That's what happened in the past. So now you have all of the poor, all of those that are low-wage and poor, being educated in a government system that's union-controlled, whose philosophy is sectorism and socialism. So two generations later, of course you have all of those that are uh, or on the margins, poor, low wage, which are very disproportionately African-American, Latino, voting for Democrats and liberals. People vote their economic interests, mm -hmm. not their racial interests. How popular are vouchers? Vouchers are incredibly popular. Let me give you one story on the voucher movement, because I've been in that movement a long time as well. When the philosophers behind and the thinkers behind school choice were calling it school choice, we were getting very, very low ratings in uh, the black community. They didn't want school choice. And so Milton Friedman finally said, something is wrong. Why is it that this phenomenal opportunity for money to follow children to schools parents want not re being received in black America? So they finally polled. They did what you said. Well, maybe we should go ask black folks. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what black folks heard when they heard school choice? They heard the, the Jim Crow South. Their kids not getting an education. So they changed it parental choice. Now, um, ed choice is called educational options and ed choice. And guess what? Black people are polling 95% that they want. Yeah, Obama shut down the voucher program. Yeah, he tried to shut it down, but yes. he didn't. He wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. That was only a DC voucher program, though. Yeah. So remember, right. that was the, only the sampling here, and that was a fascinating sampling too. Thanks to Virginia Walton Ford, who now has a movie out about her life and her opportunity to get that voucher uh, set up here in Washington D.C. that her own son didn't get to take advantage of because he had graduated by then. But money could only go with. They had seventy five hundred vouchers, and it could only go. Um, no, they had a. It was for. $7,500, and it could only go to with the student if you were failing in your class, your school was also failing, and you know how many applications they got? You had to be at a certain income level, low, and you know how many applicants they got? Like 3 million. Mm -hmm. People want school choice. They want 
to get to the economic station in life that they don't need the big hand of government. Well, so it starts well, right there. And most you, of the politicians have school choice because they can send their kids to private that's schools. Exactly well, that's right. it. And you they see, do. <laughs> th this is one of the things uh, that helped Ron DeSantis in Florida mm -hmm. that's when exactly uh, right. there were 100,000 black women who voted for him as opposed to Gillum, the Democrat, because Gillum said he was going to take school choice away. Right. You're not going to do that, not to my children. And I have found, when in my race, for example, uh, the, 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 the Democrat that I was running against, the incumbent, uh, he sent his children to not private school because he, he, he was a little bit savvy there, but he sent them out of the district to school in Virginia Beach where they were better there. But in the meantime, well, but he could afford to do right, that. right. His constituents, right, right. Yeah. His constituents were trapped in failing schools. Mm -hmm. So you point that out. You you talk about this kind of hypocrisy, mm -hmm. and you'll you, you know you're, you're you're getting right to the heart yeah. of the thing. Let's return though to what you just said about uh, Governor DeSantis now, because mm -hmm. it is really really important. Because you made the point earlier, Winsome, about how. Republicans need to go into these districts and make their case. Mm -hmm. Governor DeSantis made a deliberate effort to go into black communities all through the state of Florida and talk to them specifically about school choice because they have a vibrant school choice program. They don't have a Blaine Amendment in Florida, so therefore money can move. And how money began to move with students in Florida is because the prior governor, Governor Bush, opened up under No Child Left Behind the opportunity for money to start moving, to say, if you're trapped in a failing school, you don't have to be. Mm -hmm. So that opened up the door for Florida to be very aggressive in promoting uh, educational options. DeSantis went specifically to the places that you said. They went to the PTAs. He went everywhere. Gillum, the African-American going to solve all problems for black people, Amen. decided that he was going to <laughs> publicly rebuke the the uh, opportunity grants for money to go with parents and children to other schools. He rebuked the charters. In fact, he said he was going to shut down the charter schools. So mm -hmm. you're right. 18% mm -hmm. of African-American women voted for DeSantis. This and is a monumental like, because like this over is one group. We don't yeah, even, and we but, know. But, but it's important yeah. because... By that much. That much. That's right. Yeah. But and the reason it's, it's so close. important is because this is the group that Republicans never get. Yeah. That was the first time in the history that black women voted for a Republican right. and were the margin to help him win. Black men, Trump got a lot of black men, but he did not get black females. But on educational options, you can gain the trust of the and black And you know female. what that mm -hmm. does? If you get us voting once and our fingers didn't fall off and we're still alive, <laughs> you know, we voted for a Republican, oh my gosh, then then we'll, we'll start listening more and we'll think about the next person we vote yeah. for. You only need that one time. in black but, America. I mean, when well, you think about it, the first time Nixon ran, he got more black votes than the first time Kenny yeah, ran. We but were remember what they did to... Yes, remember I know, what they but did I just, to, it's not an to, impossible. Um, no, it's not. It's mm -mm. not. I'm not saying it's impossible. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to... No, I mean, I'm just... If it's I'm, a call. I'm, it, I don't to know Sammy Davis Jr., you remember how they talked about him. But I want to give you an example of... Sammy Davis Jr., because he supported Nixon. Right. Yeah. You know, and then some... Jim uh, Brown felt some of it, too, when he was uh, uh, still active as an NFL player. But when I was in office, I went down to, see, this is the thing. It doesn't, I, I ran because I wanted folks to know the seat 
that I hold does not belong to me. It belongs to you. You are America. You, this is your seat, and we will be your representatives. And, we, you know, you don't vote for me just because I'm black or whatever. You, you vote because you, you care about the policies you care about, and you want to see who it is that uh, represents those uh, and for you. And so I knew that no one ever came to their doors either. So I made sure, I wanted to set an example. And um, I went to one of uh, my schools. I had all of the public housing projects in my, my district. It's 54% black. And I said to the children, it was uh, third grade, and I said, let's make a law. Let's, let's talk about how you make laws. And so I said, I, I explained uh, how we did it. And then I said, now who wants to make a law? Young uh, child rose up and he said, I want to make a law. And the law I want to make is that if you kill somebody, you must pay for their funeral. What is he experiencing in mm. the third grade that that is the first law that comes to mind? This is boots on the ground stuff. Th yeah. This is what, this is in your face. That's a good idea. Stuff. Actually. You know, <laughs> it's because. But, but he's experiencing murder. I mean, yeah. like 70, well, some of our neighbors 70 murders in Chicago last right. weekend. Or well, I don't know 70. the district you're in, but what, what yeah. were their poverty and, and, rates and, and, and their murder well, rates? I mean, there well, are some that we, and one of the beautiful things about the Trump administration is Opportunity Zone Initiative is now we know exactly yes. where those districts are. It's mm -hmm. probably one of those. There are 8,700 mm -hmm. of them in the country. We're deliberately focused on all of them. Money is flowing in because of the uh, capital gain benefit that you will get by putting your money in one of these zip codes. So uh, Although, those crime rates will what, come down very, very rapidly here. You, but I'm not you, you surprised hear, that that would be the first thing he would say yeah, if he was that, in the, the heart of the yeah. harder And, and so you, you think about when you talk about education and how our children learn. I was vice president of the State Board of Education in Virginia. And um, we would always hear about the, the, the things that are not happening, happening. Out. How do we come alongside and help? parents, help the communities, because, you know, we've tried to take faith so much out of politics um, that it is difficult, you know, to, to, to get the, the buy-in of the powers that be, the unions, you know, everybody else, the, the black politicians who always seem to be part of our, 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 our site and never have anything to do really with us. I have seen uh, black politicians, especially from my neighborhood, they act one way, when they're in, in, in uh, the neighborhood, and they're totally a different mm -hmm. way when they're in Richmond, for example. And they would never know. Uh, their well, their, their what, constituents what, what, would never what, know. Wasn't there a Yale study that showed that the Democrats talk differently to minorities than they do to anybody else, and mm -hmm. but the Republicans don't? Well, I've got a, a, an example for you. The former Speaker of the House, um, way back then, uh, uh, Democrat, because uh, so far in Virginia, we've only had two Republican speakers in our whole history. But anyway, he came to uh, uh, our, our uh, local neighborhood uh, watch, and he, this is how he styled it. You know, we're all black. We're all black. And he said, so-and-so, you remember back in 64, I was the only white man who did X, Y, and Z. And Billy, you remember back in 68, I was the only white man who did. And I'm, I'm sitting in shock. I'm in shock. And yeah. then we, we are there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, What? Yeah. And, and then uh, his opponent came in and she said, uh, well, here's what I'm going to do on transportation. 
here's what I'm going to do on education. And here's what I'm, and, and she was just, and, and I just, I, I, mm-hmm. my mind was fried and I got up and I said, how dare you come and speak to us like that? If you went to, for example, your West End constituency where all the rich folks are, you would talk to them about policy. But here you come and you talk about what you've done for us in the 60s. What have you done for us lately? You come talk policy to us because we have minds too. Oh, he got red. You're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Star Parker and Winsome Sears, and we're talking about education, and we're talking about that wonderful topic, hypocritical politicians. <laughs> I don't live in Virginia. I have no comment you wouldn't there. have that story. Uh, I'm sure well, their I politics wanna, wanna is very, very different. For just a second, what I do know is that um, every congressional vote now is impacting all of the country. So we are very concerned now about the legislators from particular areas. Mm. Well, we've been talking about that. The size of the federal <laughs> government is such that yeah. it really matters because it affects everybody much more than it used to. But you, we talked about faith and teaching values. Even with school choice, the thing that troubles me is that with the rules on curriculum, the rules on accreditation, the rules on teacher certification, even when you've got choice, you sometimes end up in a school that's not that much different than what it could be. Have you dug into that at all? Well, that's not true in the those studies that are showing comparisons with where you have very open uh, educational options, uh, states like Indiana, states like um, so they uh, have Louisiana. flexibility with the they curriculum. have flexibility well, that's what because I'm well you that's the problem. You got to be able to go wherever. That's exactly right. Yeah. And 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 competition is what makes a school great in a community. Uh, when you think about just the government running schools, we should all be concerned about that, and particularly with the type of cu- of, of curriculum that is now uh, being. Uh, push down. Well, the history uh, curriculums the are terrible. Oh, everything yeah. is incredible. Well, and not even just in, as you're pointing out, Bill, not even just in the government-run, uh, government-funded, union-run schools, but also uh, in the private schools. This, this, this secularism has seeped into all of our society, and, and conformity has seeped into all of our society to where everything has to be politically correct. But you know one of the best lines that Trump said in his inaugural speech? That was then. Hmm. And while it's important to talk about the past and how we got here, I am just so excited about what has happened just in the last two years. That was then to where everything has changed. Mm-hmm. He has stacked the courts now with conservative uh, leaning philosophy uh, 150 deep. He has an initiative for taxes that has increased employment to the place where unemployment, you've got even a high school dropout. Can and find in the a black job. community. When you think about what he's done even on, ed- on education and educational options, now, the court decision that it needs to be a court decision to get school choice or what we like to now call parental choice across the country, that has to go through the court because it's a court decision standing in the way, the Blaine Amendment. But in the meantime, he has an Department of Education that is open to school options, and they're doing everything they can everywhere they can to make sure that the poor person is not subjected to a failing school anymore. Mm. So we have some positive things to report as well, including in a black community. It will not be a surprise to me if come election day uh, 2020, we start seeing 15, 16% African-American vote for this president. Well, if he gets 20%, he wins. Oh, if, he, he gets, if he gets four more percent, yeah, he okay. wins. 10%. If he gets, he gets four ten, more percent, tw- tw- yeah. George Bush, what did he <laughs> get? Some, he got uh, 14 in some places. Yeah. Yeah. Some, you're, you're, you're national yeah, chair. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're national chair of the black mm-hmm. Republicans to reelect the president. That's right. What's that about? 
Well, what we're trying to do is it's uh, twofold. We're a super PAC, so we raise money, and I've got a little booklet, and uh, we hand it out in barbershops, beauty salons, um, wherever we are, that's where we go. And uh, we hand those out. We go door to door. We have that. That's our ground game. That's exactly right there. There's a little book, and it's uh, Make Black America Great Again. So uh, Here's the booklet. Then the other piece that we have is we do radio shows. We buy time on urban radio, and it's been proven effective. I'll, I'll give you an example. Back in 2014, for example, Tom Tillis was running against uh, Kay Hagan, who's a Democrat down in North Carolina for the U.S. Senate. He was only pulling 1% of the black vote. You ain't going to win with 1%. And so we came in late in the race. Uh, we spent 346000 It was a $100 million race by the time it was done. But, of course, you know, we don't, we don't have that kind of money. So we spent that. We bought <coughs> ads on urban radio. Uh, somebody did an independent polling, and he was still at 1%. By the time we got in September, he was at 5% by the end of September. Come the end of uh, October, he was at 12%, and he actually ended up getting 11.9% of the black vote. This is significant because his margin of victory was 1.46%. So had we not gotten black voters, he would not have won. Kay Hagan would still have been in the race. And how did we do that? We, we stopped the terrorist type of attacks that Democrats have uh, always put on uh, uh, Republicans because uh, we taught policy. We talked about Kay Hagan, that she was sending her kids to private schools. Meanwhile, our kids are stuck in low-performing schools. We talked about life. Uh, we talked about just about all of those things. Well, one of the things you did powerfully was you linked abortion and 23 million black babies mm -hmm. that were killed. Mm-hmm. With Planned Parenthood, Mar right. Margaret Sanger, and there's yes. incredible quotes right. in here. Like she's quoted as saying she founded Planned Parenthood, and she says she colored people are like human weeds and need to be exterminated. And although you know they've had, did they have at one Planned Parenthood have a black president <coughs> at one time? Yeah, Faye Wallington ran it for a while. It didn't matter either way. She had a Negro project, and she decided that if we go pay off some of these sleazy left wing black pastors, that mm -hmm. we'll be able to push this into their and, community. And, and so here's that we Hillary can kill Clinton. I, I admire Margaret and, oh, Sanger yeah. enormously. Oh, they, well, she just get, they just gave her an this award. Is, this is right. Hillary Clinton. They That's just right. gave an award. Barack Obama was the first sitting president to actually address them at their national conference, and then at the end of his speech, say, "God bless you, Planned Parenthood." Planned Parenthood, you. Eugenicists and the eugenicists are the environmentalists. They should we should not even use the either term in a sentence separate from each other. When you think about what's coming out of the mouths of these environmentalists today, it is exactly what the eugenicists believe, and it's exactly what liberals believe, and it's Ampl exactly what Democrats believe. Amplify. I'm not sure I understand. Environmentalists really believe that we're running out of resources, mm -hmm. well, so they not. want the people that are that are the weakest. Oh, to we've not only got be 12 here. years, according to them. I guess it's 11 by now. It, you know, it's so ridiculous. It is absolutely. They talk about, um, for example, you talk about the resources and housing and, and that you think about housing and if if we're not building houses or, or anything like that for those who look like me to live in because, you know, people who look like you, you already have, you know, your your housing, that sort of thing. That doesn't help black people. You know, it helps us being stuck in in, in poor neighborhoods, filthy neighborhoods, that sort of thing. Uh, so the environments are not really our friends. And 
I think we know that, but unfortunately, we just can't seem to pull the lever sometimes. Well, environmental is, is incredibly elitist. It's very. I mean, well, that's not true here, but But the housing worldwide. policy is a very different question. So uh, we, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to get confused that this is uh, the same question: what's happening with the environmentalists and what's happening with uh, basic supply and demand uh, opportunity uh, regarding housing. I mean, it is a fact that we've reached a point a couple of years ago as a society where we have more non-married adults than married. Yeah. And when you need two uh, of anything, you're going to... It's going from well, 75 to but, but, but there is a point that I would like to make um, on this environmental question because it's extremely important for people to understand, not confusing with the housing debate. Eugenicists and environmentalists are the same people. When you're an elite that believes that you have limited amount of resources, then you do not want people draining those resources. And they feel that if you are weak, you get into your quote about Margaret Sanger, if you have a disability, if you have any type of economic instability, if you are old, this is why we now have several states who have actually legalized assisted suicide. Make no mistake, these are the environmentalists and these are the liberals, these are the progressives, these are the Democrats. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to really make that point because I That's think it's an excellent very, point. very important an excellent that people point. understand that they're the same as the Margaret Sanger types. You're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Winsome Sears and Star Parker, and we are talking about the links between environmentalism and eugenicism. eugenicism. Oh, well. And fascinating. And it's true. And, and, and because when you think about it, you've got the original question about God. Well, really, yeah. is he going to make run out of natural resources? And, and how you know, it's just fascinating that Bill well, Gates well, and his foundation, why are they in the, the, the 50 African countries well, trying to promote the their abortion? People believe we're going to run out of resources are the same people who think we're going to run out of human ingenuity. You think about yeah. what's a resource. Yeah. We're, we're surrounded by well, things so, that we've invented. We're going to keep... <laughs> Okay, we got this problem. We're going to invent something to yeah. deal with it, yeah. and the market will work. That's right. That's well, remember, they yeah, first the told us for that reason. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. They first told us that we were uh, the planet was actually cooling. Remember that back in the, in the early seventies, and and I guess that didn't pan out. So now, the you know, I don't I don't know where we are in in the grand scheme of things as they tell us what things are. But you know, when when I read my Bible, I read differently, so I'm I'm fine with where I'm at. I'd like to see. Uh, when we talk about uh, black representation and we look at uh, the places where black people are, where the mayors, we, we, we have the, the, the senators or, or the, you know, the local rep reps, we're on city council, and we look at our communities and they told us that when they became or when we became uh, the majority in our, when we were in office that things would change. And I'm seeing what's happening in the neighborhoods, the black neighborhoods in New Jersey. And they're not really, uh, you hear a few, you know, noise here and there about things, but Democrats are in charge and they've been in charge and who's holding them accountable. That's the sort of thing that we talk about. Now, we're not going to win everybody, but we'll, we'll win some and then we'll move on. Well, one of the striking things about the policies that affected marriage, employment, business ownership, schools, the things, the policies that were aimed at the inner city, the urban, whatever, is now spread out to rural white America. Right. And the pathologies in rural white America, where we, we have a house out in Rappahannock County, uh, 
are very similar. And so this, mm -hmm. the, these mm -hmm. bad ideas of not forget about they're race. They're just they're bad. They're bad. Mm -hmm. They're bad for people. That's why I don't mm -hmm. talk on terms of race mm -hmm. at all. I don't think we should. And we shouldn't yeah. because when you think about the policies of the left, you know, and to your point, it's why we have books. I mean, even with social thinkers like Charles Murray having to say we are coming apart. Where are we healthy as a society? It's when husbands are married to the mother, the children. Yeah. Yeah. It's where a universal are we truth. at? It's a universal truth. And you know where, where when demographers like myself, when you look at the data and you try to find is race a component? First point on crime and low educational aspirations. If you are coming from a single head of household, your tendencies are more increased to go into crime and or have low yeah. educational aspirations. 75% of young boys in our criminal justice system come from single-headed households. But when you look at data... Regardless of race. Regardless of race, yeah. there's just disproportion the because pathology. the black family collapsed yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. In the 60s, black marital rates were at 70%. Today, mm -hmm. they're at 30%. Yeah. You can't have 30% of your adult population married and wonder why your kids don't know what to do. So what has happened, though, when you look at the white family compared to the black family, let's just look at family and income levels. When you're looking at husbands married to mothers of children, black household, white household, husbands married to mother of children, Guess what we cannot measure? Economic differences, educational differences, crime differences. You know why? Because they're so small. They're like really small. It doesn't matter what color you are. But when you have single household, guess what we can measure? And guess where the big gap is? Wealth. Because you have disproportionate number of single households on this side of the aisle, you have less on this side. But to your point, the more that that white family unravels, we see the same social pathologies. In fact, in the 60s, 3% mm -hmm. out of marriage rates in the white community. Today, 30%, yeah. eight points higher than where blacks were. And that's why we're seeing opiate. We're seeing incredible rates of suicide with white male. We're seeing white males taking out their anger on their neighbors and shooting them down. This is a problem, so I'm glad that you brought it up. This has nothing to do with race. The mm -hmm. left keeps us focused on race. Mm -hmm. The left keeps talking about what we need to do black and what blacks are doing and what black leaders are black this and black. No, that's their language. If we start thinking about the founding principles of this country to be responsible with your choices, if we start thinking about the rule of law outlined in our Constitution, and we start educating our children accordingly to where husbands marry the mother of their children, you will start seeing some of these other pathologies dissipate almost overnight. I was just in Louisiana, and um, the, the taxi cab driver is black. He's listening to a black station, and he's taking me back to the airport. And they have uh, their, their race is coming up. Uh, the Democratic governor and two Republicans are in that race for the governorship. The John Bell Edwards is the um, is the incumbent, and the thing about it was that the radio station, the commercial, was so vitriolic. The Democrat uh, commercial, sponsored by Black somebody, some organization, was so vitriolic against the Republican, not the Republican candidate. The Just Republican the party. party. Yeah. And what they were spewing, and I have to say spewing because it's poison, and it keeps us in our place. And so, you know, we're not talking about race, but they're talking about race. So we, we have Endlessly. to say some things about that because we have to have uh, 
answers for all that. We have to have an answer to it. So we don't focus on it. We have to have an answer to it. It's My frame for policy is three questions. What works? What's moral? What makes people happy? And if you tick off all the all the values that you you all have been talking about, they're conservative values, essentially. They're kind of bourgeois values. You get married. You stay married. You Right. Get a job, right. you save, you do all those sorts of that's things. Right. And, and then you know Boring what? Boring bourgeois values. What, when right. you're knocking on but doors... But that's, that, that, that's not a race issue. That's a human being. No, it isn't. Issue. And I think that that's where we're going in this discussion that we've been having over the last two years with this election. It sounds noisy because of impeachment and other things that are getting in the way of us finding out why America seems to be sinking back to its founding principles. When you look at the couple of cases that the Supreme Court just decided that they're going to take on with the new seatings there, I'm very hopeful that we are going to get beyond this trying to pretend that race is the driver of this as we're now watching the white and the majority community collapse because of these same policies and values. It's exactly. And then, and then the, the argument always is, well, which came first, the public policy or the, the culture? And this has been a constant culture policy. I don't believe that we would have 68 million abortions if policy didn't change. So we can pretend that the culture wanted this and it forced policy, but I'm just not sure. I'm still in great debate about did policy change this. I'm not sure that we would see black um, uh, marriage rates collapse the way they had if policy hadn't changed, where it said don't marry if you want help financially from Uncle Sam. I'm not sure that we would see a lot of these challenges that we're having today if policy didn't change, including education policy. It's, a, it's an education policy that traps poor children in failing schools. It's, it's government that's paying Planned Parenthood to diminish the size of this community. So uh, to your point, I think it's sad to see what's happening uh, with you know the majority community now collapsing so and unraveling to the place that it is, but I'm hopeful that not only does it open us up to this discussion so the majority of Americans don't think, well, it's just those people over there, so we don't have to think about it as long as they don't come to our community, but we also can be hopeful because the courts have changed. We talk about hope, and uh, we had someone who was going to give us hope and change. Well, when I look at uh, someone like Kanye, I'm, I may not agree with everything about him, but when I heard him Kanye say, West. Yes. Yeah. When I heard him say recently, so very emphatically, are you telling me that I have to vote for somebody just because of my color? Mm -hmm. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't care what you said. When I see other people, um, now Charles Barkley, he's not exactly a Republican, but he's an influencer. Oh, no, I think he's been a Republican for years. Well, Charles Barkley? I, yeah, well, I'm, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah. know. Generational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like 30, 40 years. Uh, well, yeah, yeah but he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's flamboyant, but he's very, very... Uh, no, but, but he's supporting so the Democrats. So Charles Barkley's a Republican. I, I don't know. That's why but I, but I, it I, doesn't matter. Hear, <laughs> I hear... Well, I don't think it matters either. That's why I like yeah, this Republican. Right. Really, but, but it's, but it's it, whether they're liberal or conservative, because yeah. I don't want a bunch of these Democrats becoming Republican if they're bringing their values no. with them. I, I don't want that either. That's like people moving out of California and taking all these bad ideas, go to Texas and ruin Texas. This, this is incredible. Just, to, just as I think we're just going deeper and deeper and better and closer to the truth. There's hope. There's there is hope. hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. Uh, not if we don't. Not if we don't uh, reelect this president. <laughs> I believe he will be. There is hope. There you are. There is hope. And and I see it in in the people that I talk to. I see it when someone uh, comes up and says to me, "Keep doing what you're doing." On Facebook, they they troll me, but you know it's cool. 
I'm all right with it. I know that you may not like what's going on, but there are other people who are wanting to say, well, tell me more. That's right. And I may not win them. We don't need a lot of numbers. We don't need. And I may not (laughs) win them, you know, this time around, but but next time. But it gives them something to think about. And that's what we want. This is incredible. We have to wrap. Really? We're done. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic. We solved all the problems in the world. Well, we're we're getting closer and closer and closer. So let's come back and keep going with this. We got the policy side. Wonderful. There you go. And we said we'd need a couple of weeks on race. We may have gone, made a lot more progress on that than uh, we, we predicted. Remember, there is hope. There is. Uh, that's it for now. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the next Bill Walton Show. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes. 